0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 63 of the MTG Crimecast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina with a special focus on the SCG tour. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor Apple, and with me in his newly cleaned apartment oh, as always <laughs> is Collins Will. Not so many magic cards on the on the dining room table now. <laughs> yeah, not not quite as many piles and piles and piles of magic cards. Clean up a little bit. It's uh, a little nicer work environment. A little more so I wanted to make it to make it nice for Chris now that you know, now that we're recording on my kitchen table, so well, I, I appreciate the effort. It's very yeah. helpful. Yeah, of course. Before we get started, want to shout out the Patreon, uh shout out the Discord. We've been talking up some new some new deck lists, fresh standard, that sort of thing. So much standard. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I between new limited, standard and trying out arena, I have been doing basically nothing, but just, like, goofing around and playing Magic for the past week or so, so it's it's been a good week. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, definitely sounds pretty good. I, I've also been playing a ton of standard um, online, been brewing up a lot of different lists. Mm-hmm. Some of them uh, were pretty good, some of them were not very good, but, you know, <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty standard for for week one. So. I mean, you only have to end up with one good list at the end of things, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the hope. Yeah, so I want to thank our new patrons first. Uh, well, new patrons. Seb, thank you very much for signing up. Thanks to everybody else for hanging out in the Discord and lending us some support. If you would like to become a patron, head over to patreon.com slash or straight to our site, mtggrindcast.com. Uh, we will be, well, Collins will be picking up our tokens this weekend at SCG Columbus. Very excited about that. We will be sending those out to all of our patrons. And posting some reminders to get us your addresses, which we will use only for token-sending purposes and not for anything nefarious. So, <laughs> Wow, we, we make it sound so ominous, Chris. Well, you know. Uh, just, don't worry, guys. Everybody's, it's going to be fine. Everybody's <laughs> thinking it, so i gotta got to acknowledge it is all. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, so I mean, you've been doing Mostly Standard. I've been doing... Standard limited and some other yeah. stuff, but definitely a, quite a bit of standard and paying a lot of attention to the new decks coming out and being posted. So uh, today I figured we would talk a little bit about Arena since that's kind of a hot topic right now. Uh, the open beta just started and I've been getting some play in and other people have, have been discussing it. Um, and then we're just going to talk of new standard. We've got we've got a bunch of lists. We've each gotten some experience with the format and we've got plenty of stuff to talk about. So Definitely. I'm excited. First of all, we'll hit a Keeper Mull from the new standard. Um, so, I I mean, this is your hand, so if you just want to tell us what it is. Yeah, so this is a hand that I actually ran into, well, the same like con- concept of this hand I ran into twice uh, recently, playing a uh, a green Stompy list. So the hand is one Forest, one Lanowar Elf, a Bronodon, a Steel leaf Champion, a Galta, a Ferox, and a Vine Mare. Mm-hmm. So essentially, one land, one elf, a couple of threes. So if we do hit the land, it's really, really strong. Um, and then just, like, top-end stuff after that. Yeah. And is this mono-green? How many lands total are we running? Yeah, mono-green. We're, we're on, I think, 23 sure. lands, something around there. So essentially, we're on the draw, right? And if we hit our second land, then our hand turns on to be very, very strong. Mm-hmm. My... General philosophy, though, that I think I've mentioned a couple of times, is when it comes to seven card hands, if they are trying to get there and otherwise will be non functional, I will mulligan those seven card hands. Yep. If the seven card hand is is it needs to get there in order to work, and if it doesn't work, you're just going to lose. Then, which I think this hand is a very clear example of. I personally am not a fan of keeping hands like this at all. So the the kind of the funny story behind this hand, though, is that. Uh, I ran into this hand playing with Zan on um, last night on uh, online, mm-hmm. um, and we were we were both playing together on Magic Online, and he was really excited about this hand, and he wanted to keep it. Okay, you know, which was you know kind of you know very against my my instincts and my my philosophy, but definitely in keeping with things, <laughs> you know this is a very xan approved sort of hand. yes. Like I definitely I definitely predicted that this would lead me into this. Um, yeah, he was totally into this hand. He wanted to keep it for sure. And I asked him why he wanted to keep this hand because he was clearly very adamant about his position Mm -hmm. and, and it went against my initial, you know, instincts and philosophy. Um, so whenever that kind of like comes up, I want to figure out, you know, what's going on, what, what's our different thought process. Yeah. And he, he posed a, a pretty interesting reason why he wanted to keep this hand. He said at the end of the game, if you can put yourself into a position where if you have two draw steps and if one of them is a land, you win the game. He's willing to he's willing to take that line that risk sure. where he's saying I am willing at the end of the game to say if I if I draw one land in in two draw steps I'm just gonna win so if you know if we're if we're taking that philosophy at the end of the game why not also apply that philosophy at the beginning of the game when when deciding whether or not to keep this hand sure because he you know he views this hand as strong enough that we're very likely to win this game if we hit right because we have turn one elf turn two three drop and then you know, if we draw another land after that, we have two 4-drops, but we still also have another 3-drop to cast if we don't hit it immediately. So, a really strong hand if we just hit one land. And, two and, and honestly, turn 2, Steel Leaf Champion, is one of the strongest things that you can be doing in right. Standard. So that is yeah. extremely powerful. So he definitely made it a good argument, and um, and when he initially told that to me, I was like, huh, okay, you know, that, that kind of makes sense. And um, I thought about it for a while, but eventually I came to the conclusion that the, the, it's his logic there is a little flawed because when we're looking at the end-of-the-game scenario, we're we're looking at an end-of-the-game scenario. It's all or nothing. Mm-hmm. We're talking about just, like, immediately winning the game and having this, like, 100% or very close to 100% Right, right. We're scenario. trying to top deck the land for our lethal burn spell exactly. or whatever. Right. <laughs> Rasky's contempt to get in for lethal or whatever, yeah. Yeah, so the extremities in the end-of-the-game are so large where we're talking about, like, 100% versus zero percent like we're either gonna lose if we brick or we win mm-hmm. we get the the 100 percenter right at the end of the game it's like more clear um but if we translate that to the beginning of the game similarly if we brick, we lose so it's zero percent right yep. at, at the front end but the upside of hitting with this hand is even though the hand is very powerful it's not like this hand is unstoppable right you know I'm- I've definitely lost games where I've made turn two Steelers of champion. course it's right? it happens possible. all the time and you know the rest of our hand is also strong so if we hit I would say that our chances to win the game could be very high mm-hmm. I would even go so far as to say 75-80% right that's a really high percentage to if, win the game if I could have this yeah. hand and know that there was a forest on top of my right. library like I would take that for mm-hmm. any game I ever played right. in a tournament for sure so that's a pretty high percentage but it's not 100% yeah and and if we decide to mulligan, then we... Uh, that's kind of like the alternative line. Then we still get to play magic. We're on the draw. We have six cards. We mm-hmm. get a scry. I feel like six is on the draw with a scry is just as effective as a seven. Yeah, uh, A very high percentage of the time. Especially... This is not a deck that's trading card for card. This is right. a deck that's trying to overpower early with stronger cards exactly. than your opponent can cast. Yeah. So I, I think that it's really important to you know, consider the the differences in those two scenarios that Zan presented where, you know, on one hand he's presenting this kind of like all or nothing 100% versus 0% scenario, but in reality, when we're applying it to what we're actually looking at, which is this beginning of the game, Keeper Mulligan scenario of we're 0% if we brick mm-hmm. versus maybe like a 70% or if we hit, right. but we also have this opportunity to, to stabilize our, I'm not sure how to word this, but what I want to say is stabilize our variance a little bit yeah when you mulligan a hand like this what you're effectively doing is you're stabilizing that variance it's not as volatile as zero versus 75 percent right Yep. that's a pretty volatile percentage because you know you hit you feel amazing you you're likely to win you're not guaranteed to win but you're likely to win mm-hmm. um but if you mulligan then you still get to play right you know you still get to look at six cards you're on the draw with a scry and and this seven, as a six, taking away any of the three or four drops mm-hmm. on the draw is a snap keep, in my opinion, because right. we additionally have that scry to help our percentages. Our percentages go from maybe about a fifty—I don't know exactly the percentages—but my estimate would be like fifty-five percent to well, hit, or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, something like that. Like with two draw steps, we we're probably about a fifty-five percent to hit, but with three draw steps, that suddenly escalates way up to you know a much higher percentage. So that scry helps out a lot in terms of our percentages to hit um so i'm very happy to keep a six like this hand that needs to get there Mm -hmm. because you additionally have that scry so i thought but i thought that was just kind of like an interesting like you know thought process scenario that i wanted to present here what's actually kind of interesting is that i probably would have been more likely to keep this in old standard because the value of lanoir Elves comparatively to the rest of your deck was so much higher. Yeah. But now that we have Pelt Collector as an additional possible one drop, yeah, our Mulligans get significantly better because mm-hmm. we're just... Th- you know, the difference between starting out with lanoir Elves and not was huge with the old deck. Right. Now we have an, an additional... It's not quite as powerful as lanoir Elves into Steel Leaf, mm-hmm. but it can give you that, I'm just yeah. way ahead from turn one. Fundamentally, we have a higher quantity of powerful openers, right? Because previously, our powerful openers all started with Llanowar Elves. Right. But now we have powerful openers that's just, you know, collector into 2-drop into 3-drop. And yep. that's pretty much just as effective as it land Llanowar Elves. Start it feels up. just as effective. Yeah, it's yeah. real gross from the other side. And the other thing that I do want to say is that these... It's it's easy to look at this hand and be like, Alright, well, if I hit another land, then I've got 3 mana on turn 2. And then if I hit another land, then I've got 4 mana on turn 3. But Llanowar Elves is not a land and the red decks are all playing four shocks in them right now and even if we like make our second land drop but we brick on our third like our lenoirals could easily be dead to a chain whirler by the before we get to our third turn yeah. and then we just can't we still can't cast anything we just have a steel League champion that's not going to win the game on its own mm-hmm. you know like the the black decks are probably going to aim a moment of craving or whatever they have at the or Elves on the play, depending on the texture of their hand. So, like, it's not guaranteed to make it to through the next couple of turns to, to count as a land. So that's a consideration, too. Definitely. But yeah, so I thought that was a little interesting scenario. Yeah. I probably... Would have just, like, stared at this hand and then kept it. But I think, like, given the fact that Pelt Collector removal spells, like, yeah. how good mulliganing can be, I-, I think you're probably just right here. Mulligan more. We get Scries now. It's I know, crazy. it's so good. <laughs> mulliganing is so powerful. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, before we get... Completely into new standard, which I'm very excited to talk about. I do want to just chat about Arena a little bit. Yeah, um, open beta started last week, and honestly, I've been a little bit addicted to it. Uh, <laughs> probably should not be playing it quite as much as I I have been because I, you know, I'm just treating it as a free to play like fun experience, and it kind of feels like there's still plenty of bugs you know it's right. it's not perfect it's still open beta like i've had it crash many times i've had like weird warnings pop up i i don't like the deck building interface i think it makes it really difficult to construct a deck and and like putting together a sealed deck is one of the most unpleasant yeah magic experiences i've seen I've a few had. complaints on twitter about various things uh, associated with magic online but or not magic online uh, arena yeah But, you know, it's still really early in the process, and it sounds like fundamentally, overall, it's a pretty good experience. The gameplay is pretty slick. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, some hangs and whatever, but it's very satisfying to, like, play a Bone Dragon and have the dragon animation come up, and it's like, I'm here. (laughs) And the great thing is with Bone Dragon, like, you might get that animation, like, three times in a game. So, you know. Very cool. Amazing. (laughs) But, yeah, honestly, like, it kind of scratches a weird itch that I like wasn't super aware that I had of that kind of like 11 year old playing magic sort of thing. You know, like I I have some cards. I make the best deck that I can out of the cards that I have. And then I play against people with like kind of similarly power level decks. And it's fun. It's just it honestly like kind of stretches some deck building muscles that you know, in standard, you have kind of specific configurations of stuff that you put in a deck, and you put on all the dual lands, and you you figure out which like double color spells you can fit based on the dual lands you have, and like that's good to know those things. But you have to be a little more adaptable and loosey goosey when you're building out of just a pile of the cards that you own, and it's it's been kind of a good experience to just stretch some kind of unused deck building muscles that will probably come in handy at different points of formats. For sure. Um, yeah. So I've I've been honestly really enjoying it, and I uh, I'm glad that other people are getting into it. I've seen it's it's kind of addictive. Like I've seen, uh, like Sam Black posted on Twitter that he hasn't played as much magic over the past year but he's just like spent hours and hours <laughs> playing arena yeah i think emma handy posted like well another night staying up till 2 a.m by accident playing arena and yeah it, yeah it, it'll get you it, it will and i've been staying up till 2 a.m playing magic online <laughs> yes. so i couldn't know? <laughs> yeah i mean magic is just a very addictive game and yeah. it's hard to stop playing once you like get in the zone and are, mm-hmm. are having a good time yeah um, and arena really has been scratching that a little bit for me, I got to put it down and and start just like jamming comp leagues and stuff because between Arena and playing Limited, which I've been enjoying. I bet you're very familiar with the new cards in the set. I'm pretty familiar with (laughs) with the Guilds of Ravnica cards and not just the... After a three hour set review and (laughs) uh, all this Limited that we've been playing. Yeah. Yep, yep. If you haven't given Arena a shot, I definitely would encourage you to try it out. You may not, it may not be your favorite thing. It may not be for you. And if you're really trying to like get new standard practice in, then yeah, it's it's not really for you unless you're going to spend like a hundred bucks and start playing in the comp queues, which I imagine are mostly real decks. Mm-hmm. I don't actually know because I've just been playing the fun casual right. stuff. Yeah, but yeah, it's about time for me to. I, I I've been playing a fair amount of new standard, but I I need to buckle down and focus a little bit more than (laughs) i have with arena so i've I've been trying now to just you know get my like daily quests on and it's been fun i've I've really been liking it well good yeah i was part of the the beta experience a little Mm -hmm. bit and you know i didn't play a ton but i did like what i saw but you know now that it's i kind of like you know dropped it a little bit after playing a bunch of the beta so i haven't i haven't gone back on since the official release which i'm sure is different but yeah, I mean, I think that you, I could, it's safe to say at this point that I'm, I'm pretty happy with the direction that Arena is going right now. Yeah. And since you did closed beta, if you put in your code that they emailed you, you get a Vraska, Aurel, and a Teferi to hey. start out with. <laughs> which are way stronger than the other cards you'll start out with. So. Okay, well, good. <laughs> uh, I did get that email and I was like, oh, cool. But... Now to business. We've got a new standard format. Yeah. Uh, I have been, despite Arena, I have been playing a fair amount of new standard, both in paper and online. Yeah. And I figure, and I, I think you've been playing even more than I have. Right. Yeah. So uh, I figure we could start with just sort of our initial impressions of mm-hmm. what's going on. And yep. if you just want to start with what, what your feelings are about what yeah, you've been playing. Yeah, for sure. So um, just kind of like a snapshot of what we're seeing in the metagame right now. Mm-hmm. Venerated Luxon is everywhere. Uh, these token stacks are everywhere i think that for for a little bit green white tokens was the kind of the boogeyman of of new standard on magic online Mm -hmm. todd stevens made a pretty solid uh green white green white tokens build that a lot of people have been playing to a lot of success it's very powerful it's very explosive yeah that that combination of history of benelia into into venerated loxodon is is very good yeah, for sure. And so so that card is kind of taken over standard a little bit. Uh kind but kind of in like multiple different archetypes. Mm-hmm. There is your general kind of like mid-rangey token strategy that's just trying to go over the top. It plays four march of the multitudes. Um it's just trying to make a lot of tokens, put counters on them, make them big. Yep. Uh win through just having a massive board state. The... i will give you credit for that card like you definitely get points on me for <laughs> for accurately predicting how strong that card march, yeah march yeah no multitudes. no venerated loxodon very strong no nope. um, I, I was on venerated loxodon but march of the multitudes i was a little more skeptical oh sure, sure okay um but i think i think it's starting to show that it is yeah, yeah. because like we're in a very like board tradey like mm-hmm. like get a bigger board than your opponent has and and march of the multitudes really enables you to to sure. just battle creatures yeah so, uh, green Stompy is another, like, reasonable archetype. Uh, mm-hmm. I've seen some lists that are purely green. I've seen some lists that are splashing black for a few different cards. They go a little bit bigger. They have, like, some sideboard frascas and stuff. Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty similar to what we've been seeing in previous black splashes of, of Stompy lists as sure. well, I think, in terms of, like, the sideboard cards and everything. No Scrappy Scounder, of course, but instead we get the new crawl harpooner mm-hmm. uh, which is the 3-2 reach for two that when it comes to play can fight a flyer another one of the popular archetypes that i've seen has been mono blue flyers yeah um that archetype uh it was it feels essentially just like a copied version of i'm blanking on his name the world's competitor oh yeah who, who played was disqualified that? oh uh ken yukihiro yes so he in standard at worlds played mono blue and he was disqualified from the event, unfortunately, for, uh, and that's a whole thing, but you can look into it if you want to. <laughs> but his list, the mono Blue list, translated pretty well into New Standard. Yep. Uh, it lost a few cards, but it also, like, is generally really well positioned against everything that people are trying to do. Flying is an um, amazing ability is right s- now. very strong. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, so that kind of, like, backed up with counter spells to be able to counter, you know, the March of the Multitudes or the zony or whatever like big creature your opponent's trying to slam and take right. over the board state with you can just counter it and attack with flyers some more yeah and actually that combo of surveilling sprite is that not mm-hmm. surveilling sprite because it surveils but that's not the, the yeah name of the so the, the one two that surveils whenever it attacks yeah is yeah, that that's like veil vale well. sprite or something like that but the, the <laughs> I combo the name anyways the combo of it and curious obsession yeah. to surveil one <laughs> right. and then draw a card is very great. very powerful yeah yeah for sure yeah, my opponent. I remember the first time that my I had a, an opponent assemble that combo, and I was like, Phew, "I'm just dead." <laughs> <laughs> he has a two three that whenever attacks he gets to opt, yes. <laughs> That's crazy. That's it's so <laughs> I, I hate opt. I don't like. I hate playing <laughs> opt. But if you give it to me as an attack trigger, I'm all in. <laughs> yeah. Um. And yeah. And, and like that. After they do that once, like they just have dive down, like guaranteed, and you're never killing that card. Right. So. Yeah. For sure. So yeah, I, I think that, that's, that, that deck looks a little underpowered on paper, but the way that it plays out is actually pretty powerful. and just also lines up nicely. Really, yeah, really well lining up against the format. Disdainful Stroke was a pretty strong mm-hmm. inclusion to that deck. I agree. So, you know, definitely something to think about there. If you are playing the mono blue deck, mm-hmm. one of the big keys is to uh, protect your Tempest Djinn. Yeah. Um if you don't have a backup cuz the deck really only has eight threats in it, which is four tempest gins and four <laughs> curious obsessions, right. and and it, it does feel that way. It, yeah. it doesn't do anything without either one of those. Right. So if all you have is one tempest gin, don't play it on turn 3. Like play mm-hmm. it on turn 4 it, with yeah, you with need a Storm to have, have or or a... protection yeah. available for it for yeah. sure. Because yeah, the that card kills your opponent in like two turns it feels like, pretty yeah. consistently. But it at least so, gets them into a spot where like nothing they do matters, matters anymore. Right. right yeah. Right. And then you can just, like, counter whatever thing might matter, and then the game ends. Yep. Uh, because Disanimal Stroke hits a lot of the the removal spells that people are playing mm-hmm. out of black in this format. Braska's Contempt and Ravidus Chupacabra are both very prevalent. So uh, the fact that those are both hit with Disanimal Stroke, I think, is, a, a you know, definitely a, a, a kind of a good synergy that's, like, format-specific. Yep. And then the other decks... People have been trying out a lot of Boros strategies. I've seen, like, low of the ground Boros strategies. I've seen mid-range strategies, kind of with Aurelia. These decks all seem pretty powerful on paper, and I was this was one of the first decks that I tried to build and make well, but it just really doesn't line up against anything in the format very well, I sure. feel like. It can't beat any of the token strategies just because they go really wide and then they make a bunch of lifelink tokens and then they can swing that into a win. Mm -hmm. There are a bunch of removal spells just kind of floating around. It feels like Aurelia never lives because all of the the threats in the deck are, they're, they're fine, but they're not like, must remove cards, The it feels like a lot of the time your opponent can just like play out their creatures and like have a board state to mm-hmm. compete with whatever boards that you present, and then you play your Aurelia, and then they kill your Aurelia, and then their board gets bigger and you just kind of can't. Right. Um, so I've been pretty underwhelmed with it, all of the Boros builds, which is unfortunate because I was really excited about that. Yeah, I kind of originally thought, like, looking at Aurelia, I was thinking, hey, a lot of the removal doesn't line up great against her, depending on what people are playing. You know, if people are playing cast down out of the black decks, that doesn't hit her. Lava Coil doesn't hit her. She has five toughness. Mm-hmm. The uh, The red-white removal spell, Justice Strike, doesn't kill her because she has more toughness than power. But honestly, like, the removal spell that's... There's two removal spells that seem to get cast most often right now are tri- Consulate Tribunal... And Ravenous Chupacabra. Yeah. And those cards are both amazing against her. Like, Tribunal probably costs them one or one, two, (laughs) or maybe even zero mana. Like, killing a four mana threat with it is incredible. Yeah. For sure. Tribunal also gets a Saneful Stroke, just saying. But (laughs) (laughs) a little aside there. But a lot of times you're getting tempo, like, mana advantage with that. Oh, no, no, no. For sure. Yeah. Specifically against Boros, it's insane, for sure. Right. Um, But, uh,. But yeah, so so have been been, been kind of underwhelmed with Boros. Like, a lot of people are playing it, so it's definitely shown up a, a good amount on, like, 5-0 lists and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, in my experience, I believe at this point that that's mostly due to quantity of players playing the deck, not due to power level. The Interesting. Deck. I mean, it definitely has some powerful starts, and there are several different builds of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've... It might be true that nobody's figured out the best build yet, or at least I haven't, so sure. I haven't, like, seen any that are good yet. But yeah um i i kind of safely shelved that archetype personally i definitely expect to play against it a good amount uh, this weekend in columbus right uh, i'll be playing the standard seat of the I mean, team event. The the cards for the deck are very obvious like tajik and yeah, aurelia right. are generically extremely powerful cards right so for sure um one one card out of those colors that i've been very impressed by is heroic reinforcements mm-hmm. um i just have had a lot of Board states where, like, I kind of have to just hope they don't have it, have to, like, tap out for a guy. Like, if I'm playing, like, a Doom Whisperer deck, there are times when I've just been like, all right, here's a Doom Whisperer, (laughs) and I just die because it doesn't do anything against them, which is one of the reasons that. like, like, Doom Whisperer has been very powerful, but it's it can be a liability and yeah. that sort of thing. I'm, I'm pretty low on Doom Whisperer, I think. Um, it definitely has potential to be super powerful. Mm-hmm. But I think that if you're playing that card, you really, really want to have a lot of surveil synergies. And one of the decks that Todd Anderson wrote an article about on Star City Games was this kind of, like, blue-black Delver-feeling-style surveil deck. It played the one mana two two that gets a plus one plus one counter whenever you surveil, mm-hmm. and if it has three counters on it, it can attack. Yep, that card I think is really powerful in that deck, and also the 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 two mana one one flyer that gets bigger. Yeah, that deck you is garbage. Is it bad? Okay, it, I I put it together and we tried it, and like it won a couple of games, but honestly. Hmm. I, and maybe you know, maybe it could be built better. Sure. But once you get past turn four or five, the deck just has so many dead draws in it. Oh, like okay. even though you're surveilling, it's yeah. just like, what am I surveilling? Into? <laughs> it's only Doom Whisperer at that point. Yeah, yeah. And if okay. you're like behind, it's sure. just so. Well, it's good to hear because I, I haven't tried it out, and I also haven't played against it either. But I did see it on the um, on Star City Games. So yeah, I mean, when you go like like phantasm bug surveil 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 like it feels pretty good Mm -hmm. and i think phantasm might be a thing at some point in some specific metagame because it costs one mana and that's like once it's a three three it blocks really hard and that sort of thing yeah but in general just the like fish style of that deck like you're just better served by playing mono blue if that's what you want to do that's fair yeah that makes a lot of sense Another big archetype is uh, Risk Factor Red. <laughs> risk Factor is so good. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, we should probably point out that Chris and I were very wrong about Risk Factor. <laughs> we, we, we made some comments about how it could be good and how it was probably one of the better, the closer Punisher cards that we've yeah, seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we did not rate it, like, eight, the 8 out of 10 that it feels like it is a lot yeah, of the whenever, time. Yeah, whenever my opponent casts that against me, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll take 4, and then they cast it again, and, uh, I, like... I, in my mind i still haven't like really fully Processed in, the like, total change well <laughs> internalized just the fact that they can cast her from their graveyard yeah so whenever they cast it again like my initial instinct is always they had another one right but no they just cast her from their the graveyard. card is really good <laughs> when you have two and right. you, you have two is how it works right 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 for sure um yeah it's even funnier on arena because it like, when they have, like, relevant graveyard cards, it, like, shows them face up next to their hand. Yo, so it's yeah, just like, yeah. it's coming. They're yeah, there it is. It I'm ready. <laughs> they've got it ready for their Flame of Keld turn. Like, whew. Yeah, and right. And the fact that they can cast it on their Flame of Keld turn Regardless is, of what they had in their hand. Yeah, is right. really strong. Because either you're taking six damage, which you probably just did, or you're letting them draw three cards on their on their Flame of Keld turn, which is crazy. Yeah. So, so yeah. So that deck, I think, is really strong rekindling phoenix really really powerful mm-hmm. i'm not sure if that deck is playing him in the sideboard or not but it feels like that card lines up really well against any of the the like the mid-range creature decks yeah uh just because uh, it's really good against like all of the flavors of the green black deck that we've yeah, seen that's the next archetype i'm going to talk about but yeah and i've been playing a lot of green black and i feel like every time i play against this red deck they just like land a phoenix and i die to it eventually <laughs> it's just like well bummer like is cannot gain enough life to keep up right with, yeah. a, with a phoenix yeah yeah just not feasible so, i mean the one like it, it is a little bit obnoxious and one of the reasons that selesnia was very powerful and continues to be pretty powerful is that being able to answer a phoenix like it answers a phoenix more efficiently than we've ever seen phoenix get answered before with uh, Conclave Tribunal, mm-hmm. but uh, you know they don't always have the Tribunal. You don't always have have to you know play the Phoenix to beat them. So right, yeah. But I I have been pretty impressed with that deck, and it's that that mono red deck with. With risk Factor, and it also plays uh, the two-drop that you were really high on. Yeah, that card's which turns good too. out to be really insane with the, the, the kin. Runaway Steamkin. The, yeah, the Runaway Steamkin. That card is powerful in Mono Red. Yep. Um, it's just a 4-4 four, four for two, it feels like, a lot of the time. Right. And sometimes it's like a, you know, it's a 4-4 four, four for two for a turn, and then the next turn... It adds 3 mana to your mana pool, but remains to be a 3-3 three, three or whatever. Right, because it's casting yeah. Risk Factor. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like a lot of the time, you know, like, my opponent attacks me with it, and I, I'm like, okay, I'll take 4, or I'll jump it or something. And then, post-combat, they're like, alright, uh, if I didn't jump it, then they just, like, use it to gain some mana and play mm-hmm. a bunch more stuff, and then it gets big again. It's just, like, always a 3-3 three, three, or 4-4, four, four, it feels yeah. like. Yeah, it's um, very consistent. And the fact that it's like not a great top deck, like this deck has ways to work around that between Risk Factor, Flame of Keld, and if they have sided in or are playing main deck experimental frenzy, is that? That's yeah, that's another card that we should talk about because that card is very powerful. It's in good. This deck. Yeah. yeah, that card is so powerful that I've seen some archetypes completely structured around playing that card. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've seen, uh, it's kind of like, it kind of looks a little bit like a ramp shell because it's playing a lot of weird creatures, uh, but it's playing the 3-mana 5-5 five, five with Ascend, it allows Wayward you to play 2 tooth. additional, an additional land.
1: Oh, okay, so, so you don't get so stuck. That,
0: yeah, so that combos That's with cute. it to get through some lands. It also plays the 2-mana 1-3 that you can tap to look at the top card of your library if it's a land you can put into your hand. Dried Green Seeker. So that card also digs you past lands. So if you just like have a Dryad <laughs> Green Seeker and the, the Sword Tooth, wow, you just like have off. infinity spells, yeah, right? This, that's just future sighting really hard. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so the, that synergy was really cool, and I saw somebody playing with that. And I haven't tried that out myself yet. It, it does feel like my initial... I haven't heard of this deck before, yeah. so I, I haven't like broken <laughs> it down or anything. Yeah. That does feel like too much work.
1: Yeah, in, it initially. is a lot of work,
0: because some of these cards are really bad on their (laughs) own (laughs) wayward sword tooth is not right 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 yeah and i you know the payoff kind of is this like engine that you get where you just like get to dig through your library or Mm -hmm. whatever but i never when i played against it i never really saw my opponent hit anything because their deck is full of dry green was, seekers. Yeah, and their deck is sorting. full of a bunch of garbage. <laughs> so the idea is really cool, right? Right. But when, when you know, if you can draw infinity cards and all the cards that you're drawing are like one threes, then... Yeah, I prefer drawing know. infinity cards and it's like a shock and a runaway steamkin, and then I hit a land pass. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Like, yeah. it's fine because your opponent's at right. 8 and you're going to win eventually. Exactly. So yeah, kind of, yeah, coming back to the red archetype, I, I do think that that enchantment, the Experimental Frenzy... Mm-hmm. Is very strong in, in mono red because just the ability to start casting a lot of spells from the top of your library really strong. So yep, um, I've I've been really impressed with it. I've definitely had opponents play it and just thought like I don't think I can win this game because it's going to take me five turns and that's going to be like like thirteen cards from them. So yeah, yeah. So the uh, that card is really powerful as well. And so and I do think that this mono red shell in general is going to be really strong and 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 one of the contenders on on week one standard yeah and this deck gets to play old favorite goblin chain whirler which mm-hmm. is yeah yeah and goblin chain whirler insane yeah really really strong not you know it's it's not going to be the most popular archetype so i don't think that it's as oppressive as it used to be but that means people um, are going to be playing one toughness creatures. but yeah that, that also means right people are willing to play a bunch of one toughness creatures yeah. um so Venerated Loxodon does go a long way towards protecting your creatures from Goblin Chain Whirler. Yeah. Um, but you got to draw it. And if you don't, you probably have a deck that's very vulnerable to Goblin Chain Whirler. Right. For sure. So so that's Monored. And then kind of the last, I think, major archetype that I've seen a lot of are all of the different black-green variants. Yeah. And um, there's just, just like a, a solid, like, like... 20 cards 20 different spells that, <laughs> yeah that that like are getting like like, like rotated in and out of pushed the in and out. Yeah, yeah yeah i mean more than 20 but like mm-hmm. like no for sure yeah i i think i think the key is like some like what's your value engine and right now people are sort of deciding between eldest reborn and find finality as like yeah. the two like ways yeah. to go up cards and, and get there find finality i think is secretly the best card in standard it seems it's not not close. really good yeah in in pretty much all of the shells of black green, that card it acts as a sweeper or a card advantage engine, and mm-hmm. it's just kind of like you know never really that bad. I'm always happy to draw it. Yeah. In in any of the black Green shells, and I've played black Green shells that are like graveyard oriented that run stitcher supplier and the three one and are trying to dump cards into your graveyard and you get synergy that way. Mm-hmm. Find find that find half is is insanely powerful because it's just draw to really powerful cards and it's like it's almost even like double demonic tutor mm-hmm. it feels like because you're dumping such a large quantity of cards into your graveyard you're gonna have the cards that you're looking for in your graveyard yep let's pick up the two best one i'll pick up a chupacabra to kill your guy and i'll pick up an azoni, and you lose that's it that's game right can we talk about chupacabra for a minute yeah it's good now yeah chupacabra i i play over Raska's contempt pretty happily right yep. now i mean creatures Die again, I mm-hmm. think is the main thing. Like And and that means something. Right. Right. Like there's there's no there's no Scarab God, mm-hmm. there's no uh Hazaret, yeah. there's no vehicles, <laughs> right. uh, Yeah. The, the planeswalkers are mostly bad or uncastable mm-hmm. in the case of Teferi. Right. Um like just casting a Chupacabra and then getting a block out of it is really yeah. good and, and adding to your undergrowth and being able to get it back with Find, it's just I like yeah. destroy effects are good again. I've been really impressed with Chupacabra pretty much in any creature matchup, but even in these token decks. Mm -hmm. Like, you'd you'd think that, you know, a removal spell isn't going to be as great against token decks, but it gives you a 2-2 body that blocks all of their tokens, right? And it also kills their, like, biggest thing. It kills their Venerated Loxodon or whatever, and then trades for a token, and then, you know, or it kills their, you know, their Shalai, which is another really, really strong card right now. Or it kills their, any, like, problematic card, it feels like it, it just gets rid of and and you're really just buying time until you can cast the finality half Mm -hmm. of of fine finality in that matchup so like anything that's helping you not get run over because eventually you're going to be up cards yeah and and finality ends the game against these token decks it feels like a lot of time because a lot of their you know they can get their smaller tokens up to like three threes or whatever but they're not really generally getting their their big guys up above four toughness and right. l- unless they've like activated their shalai a bunch of times and you've lost that game right. that's you, fine you haven't been right. <laughs> <keeping> up, like <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah you failed to chupacabra their shalai so yeah. you know it's okay right uh, but yeah find finality really really impressed with uh i've tried out a lot of different versions of black green i've tried out the graveyard version i've tried out a more controlling version with like karns and Braskas mm-hmm. and um eldest reborns um, i gotta say i'm not I've seen a lot of elder's reborns. Mm-hmm. I'm scared to play that card. Yeah, the card's not really that great. It's it's um, kind of slow. It's it's beautiful with fine broker. It feels like but... the the best mode of that card is the last mode when you get to reanimate something. Oh yeah, for sure. Um because whenever I have that card in my hand or whenever I did when I was playing that deck, I would be like, "All right, I need to try to cast this pretty early on so that eventually I can get back this powerful card from you know, either my or my opponent's graveyard or right. something like that." Um, it wasn't, it was never really like, Phew, okay, you know, Edict to you. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, the Edict effects weren't that great. No, Edict thing feels pretty bad right now. But I do want to say that the three mana, sac- both players either Sacrifice their Creature or Planeswalker or Discard a card. Plague Crafter? Plague Crafter. That card has been pretty impressive. Okay. Because it's effective not only against, you know, it's not, it's not very good against the token stacks. But against a lot of other matchups like against control, you can make them sacrifice their Teferi, or you can just cast it out and they have to discard a card. It's just like trades for a resource. Mm-hmm. You get to sacrifice your stitcher supplier or whatever sometimes, which is then really good. Does it feel more like a sideboard card or like more like a main deck card right that now, you take I out have one in the main and two in the board? Okay. of the deck that I'm currently in favor of. So what's so what like overall like what's your build like for green black? What are you I am a fan of the the graveyard oriented mm-hmm. version they we found some synergies in this deck that seem pretty broken essentially the ability to recur azoni over and over again mm-hmm. we, we can get to the point in the game where we have like 16 cards in our deck that just read as azoni which yeah. is pretty crazy <laughs> we have ways of getting it back from the graveyard we have ways of uh, between, like, the fine finalities and the the biggest card is actually Memorial of Folly. So if you're dumping cards in your graveyard, you can just, like, have a tapped black land that is... pick up any creature from your graveyard. And you the three one that... Glow Spore Shaman. You can just put a Memorial Folly back on top of your library. Sure. Um, now you're not playing Mulder Hulks, are you? We're playing Mulder Hulks. Oh to, my to goodness. To bring back the Memorial right. of Folly. Oh, yeah. This list does sound... Right up my alley. Chris and I, after we're done recording this podcast, we're going to play a league with this deck. Okay, it's, I'm excited. It's, it's pretty sweet. I'm very excited. Um, Mulder Hulk, probably most underrated card from the new set. Yep. And, we didn't, and honestly, one of the more powerful cards from We the new didn't set see experience. this interaction certainly of the Mulder Hulk and the Memorial, Memorial to Folly. Yep. And, and you can just get to the point where the, Memor- the, the Mulder Hulks cost two mana. And then you like Mulder Hulk back a Memorial Folly and then, you know, just start going off or whatever. Or if you have if you if you just like don't have any cards in hand and you have a a memorial folly and th- what is it F- like five other lands mm-hmm. um, which is pretty reasonable to do you can just crack your memorial get a six six play it uh, get, your get memorial, back to right your memorial back to play so it's ready to go yeah so so you can get to the point where if your graveyard is full enough you can just like chain six sixes from nowhere God that's the kind um, of value that I am really into that's... right so so it's really it's I think that that is really strong and also. Like like that sounds way better than trying to grind yeah. out overturns with Eldest Reborn. Like, right. Yeah. Exactly. This, this just you sounds just cast like six six is over and over again. A, a late game that that I can get behind. Right. Um, and then also your your memorials can get back your zonies. You, uh, which means that your your Moldar is is an azoni. Your zonies are azoni. Your find of find allies are azoni. Your memorial to Follies are azoni. Mm-hmm. Your three the three one right, enabler card shaman. turns into an azoni in a couple of turns. Right um because it just puts the memorial back on top of your library and then you have to play it next turn crack it next turn and and any time in this looping if like you don't have quite the mana to and you're getting attacked or whatever like you can easily just like take a turn and get a chupacabra and use that like right exactly you have so many options during and the utility creatures that this deck has access to as well are really really strong the control decks can't beat a carnage tyrant so you just like you know similarly how all the cards are zoning they can just be Oh, All these cards could just be any bullet card in your sideboard. <laughs> the new... It's like a common. It's a 5-mana 4-4, four, four, and when it comes into play, you gain a life for each creature in your graveyard. Yeah. Red Crawl, can never Crawl be, Foragers. Yeah, Crawl Foragers. I just have three of those in my sideboard, and just red decks are like, you well. know, do you want to take eight off of my double-casted thing? I'm sure, dude. I have so much life. I'm so ready for this. Oh, my goodness. Um, I think we... I, I completely missed that card as a constructed playable, but... I did as well. I did as well. I saw it in in somebody else's like black green list as like a one of in their main deck and I was like this is genius this insane. <laughs> um so I immediately put three in my sideboard. <laughs> <laughs> without, yeah, without thinking about it at all. No <laughs> testing required. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's good against red, and it really, really helps that match up. For sure. Um, so you mentioned the control decks. Yeah, so that's right. That, I guess that's another archetype. But it's kind of not, right? So yeah, let's go ahead and talk about, you know, that late game that I just presented with Infinity Six Sixes. The control decks, it feels like the control decks are fighting a losing battle right now. I know, I know a lot of people who are really high on some control decks. They're really trying to make it work, and mm-hmm. they're having su- some success with them. But just kind of like looking at how the control decks line up against the rest of the format, it seems like it's going to be pretty tough for these control decks to, to have any success. Yeah, um, and this is with not even considering the atrocious mana bases mm-hmm. that I've seen put forward. Right. I like, you know, these like even the 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 white blue list that five ode and was in the the deck dump let me just pull it up and just read this mana base out loud this is <laughs> yeah four glacial fortress four meandering river two memorial to genius four field of ruin seven island six plains so you know if you don't think about it at all that kind of sounds similar like okay well we replaced the cycling land with a worse comes into play tapped land and we don't get to run the like one to two meandering rivers on top of that yeah but meandering river doesn't allow your glacial fortresses to come into play untapped i've seen a lot of like turn threes like there's a field of ruin and a meandering river in play, and then they just play a tapped glacial fortress, and they can't cast <laughs> any of their spells, sinister <laughs> sabotage or anything. Yeah. Right, right. And, and so trying to, I I do think like cleansing nova is a really powerful card right now. I yeah. think there's a lot of decks that just if your opponent can cast it on turn five, they have a really hard time recovering from it. Um, but it's just so hard to cast effectively. Yeah, I I, I don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the best mana bases are actually. Like Esper, if you're willing to play those three colors, mm-hmm. um, but even that mana base is pretty shaky. You have to lean pretty hard on cards like Evolving Wilds. Sure, and Evolving Wilds just seems like even these straight blue white decks should probably be playing a couple no, of Evolving ab- yeah, Wilds. Yeah, absolutely. Evolving Wilds is definitely a card that I think a lot of people are overlooking in their mana bases, yeah. and it because it you know it, it gets you a a land type into play for yeah. your Glacial Fortresses to come into play untapped. So yeah, I mean, if you're if you're trying to if you're trying to play some sort of mana base that's you know not supported by the Shocklands mm-hmm. as much, then evolving Wilds is definitely something you want to look into. Yeah, but uh, but still, the mana bases feel really shaky, and the kind of that on top of the fact that the it's just kind of tough for these decks to compete with like the black green decks or the uh, just like the the. the the aggro decks are also really tough like the burn heavy removal spell Mm -hmm. they're the burn heavy red decks are problematic because the they just like don't care about the angle that control is trying to approach yeah control gets to the point where they have to counter everything and that's never really where control wants to be and that's really Um, mana inefficient too you can't you can't keep trading three Mm -hmm. mana counter spells for shocks and lightning strikes exactly you're gonna it, it's something's going to break there at some point. Yeah. So, so personally, you know, maybe somebody finds a really good, you know, build or way that control that can attack the format effectively. Mm-hmm. But at least right now in standard, you know, all of these factors seem to be forming together to to tell me or warn me that control is not really where yeah. you want to be. Um. I, that that's one hundred percent my feeling from yeah. seeing these lists and from from trying to think of like I I've been writing down control lists and it, it just none of them. Right, get there, and it's mostly. I mean, it is mostly mana base related. Like, mm-hmm. I just can't cast the spells I want to cast yeah. when I want to cast them. There are definitely some cards that control has access to that are good against the format, like the new sweeper that destroys yep. everything with CMC three or less. Yep, uh, it's pretty strong, uh, very effective against tokens. Ritual of Set, um, yeah, Ritual of Set. So definitely no, have some I, tools, but I haven't played a Ritual of Set deck, but I've I've been watching some streams and stuff, and I've definitely seen it. Like it's been necessary against the tokens decks. And and against you know it's it's fine against mono red and stuff, it so I, it seems necessary. But a lot of times it seems like not enough. A, a lot of times it gets cast and leaves their venerated locks it on in play, just beating you down. Or it just Adanto Vanguard is one of the big threats out of some of these decks. And if you cast Ritual of Soot and leave Adanto Vanguard in play, it's very easy for them to build a back to a menacing board very quickly because yeah. they've got a three power attacker left. Right. So I like it. It seems like you have to have it or you will lose because everybody's going wide with History of Benelia and, and things like that. Yeah. But it seems like a lot of times you cast it and then you just die two turns later. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, I think, a pretty, a pretty good snapshot of just kind of the, the main decks that we that I've been playing against and, or at least seeing on Magic Online. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll be a pretty good snapshot of, or expected metagame for, for this weekend if you're playing in Columbus in the standard seat. I know I'll be there, so... Yeah, I'm a little sad that I don't have a standard tournament this weekend. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sticking around here. I'm going to play in a modern IQ that I'm just not doing any prep work for. Because sure, because it's, it's, modern, it's and modern you don't have to, yeah. I, I, I should. I probably have to, but I'm not excited <laughs> to... I'm not going to spend right. time playtesting modern right would, now. Uh, yeah, I'd rather you know use your time doing the fun stuff right now, which is exploring new standard. Yeah, I mean, like I play Magic because it's fun, mm-hmm. and... That, yes I want to win but I'm gonna count this as like time I'm dedicated towards winning batches later <laughs> on so right right for sure I want to so you know we we went a little bit deep on the green black decks I think like yeah if we, if we really break it down into like the archetypes of decks that I think are good right now um, I, I think you can sort of like the the green black decks, Basically, Azoni is like the card that makes those decks yeah. work. So we've got your Azoni decks, we've got Chain Whirler decks, and we've got History of Benalia decks. And I think those are like the three places that I'm happy to be. Like, there, there's some build of one of those decks that I'd be happy to take to a standard tournament right now. Yeah. And the History of Benalia decks have as much, if not more, variety than the green black decks. Like, the green black decks all. While there's lots of different cards that you can be playing, most of them are playing some sort of value game, whether that's by getting up to uh, Vraska Relic Seeker and using that as a value engine, or using Eldest Reborn or Find Finality or something like that. But the history of Benalia decks, they like run the gamut from like very aggressive like Venerated Loxodon focused decks. All the way up to, I, I just want to look at this Borrow is Boro's Angels deck list. Which, oh yeah, okay. Because it's doing that thing when we looked at Deafening Clarion for the first time and thought like, you know, if there is some deck, you know. And I, I was thinking it would be like a Naya deck that would have big enough creatures that they could survive Deafening Clarion and then you could get in for a big lifelink hit. But this just is straight red, white. Like, mostly white, uh, really just splashing red for Lightning Strike, Deafening Clarion, and Aurelia. And I think Aurelia is actually good in this deck, Mm -hmm. both because this deck is running four Lyra Dawnbringers. (laughs) You just curve into that and get in a five damage hit. And just because you have so many threats, like existential threats of that level, Mm -hmm. that you can overload the removal just by playing an angel and then another angel and then another angel. And it's so easy to just, like, get lifelink, you know, Lyra Donbringer seems very, very good right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's much... She's castable in this shell. She's not castable out of blue-white, really. Right, right. So, sure. yeah, I mean... Yeah, it, and, you know, we pointed out how powerful flying is right now. And these angels definitely fit into that category of really, really powerful flyers. Mm-hmm. Uh, my only concern is that the... Kind of harkening back to Patrick Sullivan's rant about ravenous chupacabra, <laughs> where there are a, a really solid number of removal spells kind of floating around right now mm-hmm. and lyra just kind of dies a lot yep there's not really a lot in white that prevents that from happening you just like cast your lyra and then your opponent's like okay chupacabra it and they get to move on with their definitely. definitely um and that's that's definitely rough so so that would be my like concern about that kind of archetype but you're right in the sense that if you just like have enough angels or whatever then you're you know if you have an angel in play it's going to be good because you're going to be able to get in flying damage. And if a Lyra ever sticks, it feels just game over. Yeah. I mean, Um, card isn't remotely beatable with creatures. Right, exactly. So, you know, I've tried. I've tried so (laughs) hard to beat a Lyra with my creatures. It never seems to work out. No, definitely not. Um, I was able to attack past one with a bunch of uh, Izoni tokens and sack the, the one that the Lyra block. So right. I, I was able to get one one game against the resolve. That's Lyra. that's the way. Is if <laughs> you can keep them from gaining life on the yeah. block and they have to attack you in order to gain life, then you may be able to get there. But it's yeah. if they have another angel in play, then you definitely can't. And do then that. that one has lifelink! link. Lyra is yeah. so crazy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And finally, a home for Resplendent Angel, which is just way overstatted for three mana. So yes yeah resplendent angel is very strong um yeah the everything that's not i mean so like lightning strike and wizard's lightning with a wizard in play line up pretty well against resplendent angel but a lot of the other removal in the format to like hit this three mana guy is just a little bit awkward and and it's just it usually ends up being a pretty decent tempo play from the little bit that i've seen i haven't seen a lot of this deck yeah um so resplendent angel has been pretty impressive and if you know, the decks that have Lightning Strike and Wizard's Lightning, if they don't have that immediately for the Resplendent Angel, then there's a decent yeah. chance that you're just going to end up winning that game. Right. So for sure. Um, so, I mean, this is a cool deck. It definitely... This is the kind of deck that really benefits from Control being bad. Yeah. Because this is not a deck that, besides the card history of Benalia, like, it's not really equipped to beat uh, Cancel. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like like White Blue... Even in the old format, was really like, Teferi and then a bunch of like Cs. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was one A and then just a bunch of Cs. And now we're right. like at a similar level, and the cards are a little bit worse. And it's just like, how do you even cast?
1: But spells? before
0: all of those Cs kind of like you know g- combined together to form a very cohesive. You know, you had all your bases covered mm-hmm. with all those Cs. You know, you had the counter spells, the other removal spells or the sweepers or whatever, and, you know, all those cards together just kind of, like, function to keep your Teferi alive to win the game. But now, uh, we have, because our card pool is so much lower, you're right in the sense that, you know, we just don't have that cohesive combination of cards that that fit, fit as well together to keep your Teferi alive, yeah. it's like, so. Yeah. yeah, and and I definitely also feel like the non-Teferi, like, card advantage options feel worse, I think just like Chemister's Insight is powerful in the right shell, but for the way that White Blue wants to use an inspiration effect, like Chemister's Insight is not that good. You mm. don't really want to have to cast it twice to be really doing something with it. Like you'd much rather have Glimmer of Genius or Hieroglyphic Illumination, yeah. um, which I mean we don't have right now, but it it is a downgrade for this deck. That doesn't really have graveyard synergies outside of search for Azcanta. It's It doesn't do a good job of finding your lands or anything like that. Yeah, and so, and also not having access to a card like Torrential Gear Hulk that can be a sort of responsive threat kind of thing. You know, when you are deciding to take over the game, you do it at sorcery speed, and that's the only way that you can possibly do it. And while Teferi is very very powerful you are leaving yourself open to weird stuff potentially. Like if you cast a fairy and draw a card and it's not an essence scatter and they play like a siege getting commander or something, you you may just be out of options there. Without being able to do like a big thing at instant speed like Torrential Gear hulk, you know, the deck just, it does not seem like a very flexible deck. So I, I do think that you might be on the right track. You know, if you're going to play control deck, it may be better to be like blue, black, Splash White for Teferi. If Ritual of Soot is a good enough sweeper then that makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. But from what I've seen, it just doesn't quite keep up with some of the stuff you have to... Like, Wrath of God is great because it solves all the problems. It solves the Venerated Loxodons. Yeah. It solves these creatures no matter how much toughness they have. When you're not solving all of the problems with your big tap-out Wrath sorcery, it, you're setting yourself up to be dead in a turn or two. <laughs> right, yeah, So. Sure. So, yeah, building control deck, definitely tough right now. I have seen what is really kind of cool, and I think uh, Todd Anderson actually kind of moved on to something like this uh, after the surveil turbo-surveil fish deck was not really where you wanted to be. <laughs> um, but he moved on to something much slower, and instead of putting plus-one, plus-one counters on your guys, he turned to this card disinformation campaign, this is an enchantment for one, a blue, and a black, that when it comes into play, they discard a card and you draw a card. And whenever you oh, surveil, yeah, that you return card. it to your hand. Uh-huh. I, I no Okay, so I played against this card in Sealed. Yeah. It's not remotely beatable. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's actually at a high enough power level that I think... It's possible to build a sort of like mid rangey deck that uses this as its card advantage engine. Interesting. Uh, and okay. it's you know it seems like you know ugh, I'm casting this. It's three mana. It doesn't affect the board. Yeah. But it just puts you up cards. Mm-hmm. And it it I mean number one in control mirrors it's completely insane. Um, oh. Against yeah. other oh, mid range against mid range decks it's really really good. And you are blue so you have counterspells against the other mid range decks. This may be an avenue that's worth pursuing, mm-hmm. but it definitely, I, I, I don't, it's, I think it's hard to build right now where yeah. the threats aren't settled down. And like, we don't know exactly how good Ritual of Soot is. We don't know how many moments of cravings we need to make it to the disinformation campaigns, that sort of thing. Right. But from what I've seen, like this card is surprisingly decent. I mean, the only time I've ever played against it in... Uh, limited, my opponent decked themselves twice, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, that was Elliot Darrow, though. And that his feels his like deck something... was designed to deck himself, <laughs> so, so I, I think, yeah, I guess, it worked out. Unfortunately, he didn't get the win conditions that he needed. <laughs> I think he was relying on the hexproof worm to get the job done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, this... You're you're not very likely to deck yourself with this card you Right. So... Because you got lots of doom whispers to draw into eventually. <laughs> Just an idea going forward. Hard control seems difficult to build. Some sort of removal-heavy deck with a powerful value engine, though, seems like a place where you can be as long as you have the right removal for the right for 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 the opponents that show up to play against you. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's a lot of standard. Is there anything that we're missing? Um, let me look really quickly. I think we've pretty much covered, it's like, you know, there's several different cool decks in the dump. There's a Dragon's deck with Sarkin in it, you know, just mono-red, gets to run Chain Whirlers. I guess it's splashing for Justice Strike, uh, but, you know, this is a Steamkin, Chain Whirler, Rekindling Phoenix, Demanding Dragon, Varric's Blade Bladewing, and uh, Sarkin Fireblood. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, these, we we have very few mid-range value Things that don't involve just putting creatures onto the board and giving them power and toughness. Yeah. And so, you know, we don't have any Chandra's anymore. We don't have, you know, Glorybringer or, or something like that. So having Sarkin as a mid-range value engine is, is kind of interesting just because yeah. nobody else is quite capable of doing that. But that's a deck where you got to hope that your stuff lines up <laughs> pretty well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Bolus seems bad... Like the mana for Grixis is okay. Mm-hmm. But Te- technically supported by the mana base right now in standard, but. But just. Kind of similar to Control. It's trying to play this like, mid range deck that's just worse than other color combinations, mid range strategies. Yep. Yeah, I think so. I like, think that just kind of sums it up. Like, your your removal ends up lining up kind of badly against mm-hmm. their stuff because there are indestructible threats, there are giant threats, there are go-wide threats, and, and you gotta draw, like, your Ritual of Soot when they're going wide, you gotta draw your rascals Contempt when they got a 6-6. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's tough to do. And, not to mention, and this is another reason why I don't like Eldest Reborn as your value engine for a green-black deck, is that Nullhide Ferex absolutely exists, and... Yes. Every time you make them discard a null Hide Fairax, you are <laughs> extremely far behind. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty rough for sure. Yeah. So that is week. I mean, are we still week zero? Are we now into week one? Uh, I don't know. This weekend will be week one. Okay. Yeah. Week week has a weird you know meaning at this point, I guess. So we'll right, see. right. So yeah, that is standard. I guess we will just get to our Patreon question of the week. Mm-hmm. All right. So Captain Scissors asks. Which card has most exceeded your expectations so far? Mm-hmm. So do you want to start? Um, I got a couple frontrunners for this. Okay, I'll go ahead and list them all off. Uh, definitely the Browbeat. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm blanking on the name right now again. Risk Factor. Yeah, definitely that Risk. That almost feels like cheating to yeah, say. <laughs> risk Factor is... Uh, yeah, I guess it kind of does feel like <laughs> cheating to say because I was so down on it. And I remember... Uh, where were we? I went to a tournament after Risk Factor was spoiled and roomed with Zan in a hotel and I came in and like on my way into the hotel we were on our group chat kind of talking about how I thought the risk factor was like unplayable and (laughs) and Zan was very adamant saying no guys this card is really busted and uh, uh, I just like have a you know I remember that very clearly and now I'm just like I was totally wrong. Rook's you got Factor's, me. Rook's Factor's really good, actually. <laughs> um, yeah. The other card that I, I want to put out for I guess this will be my my like pick for this answer would be uh, Mulder Hulk. Sure. Really, really impressed with that card. There are a lot of synergies with that card that we did not see even a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, just the utility lands in the memorials combine perfectly with Mulder Hulk. Anything in the right shell, just that card kind of breaks it wide open a little bit. Yep. Um, so. Yeah, definitely. I think Mulder Hulk would be my pick for for the the card that most ex- exceeded my expectations. Yeah, I'm going to go in a slightly different direction from here. Yeah. Um. So I mean, cards from the new set that exceeded my expectations are definitely like Risk Factor. Mm-hmm. Um. I hope to agree with you on Mulder Hulk after well, <laughs> this, this league. Yeah. Um. And Experimental Frenzy, absolutely. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I was hoping that card would be good. It, it seemed like it had potential, and it looks like it just. It, it, it works mm-hmm. pretty well in these aggressive decks. But what I what I want to look at is some of the the older cards that now are much better than they used to be, mm-hmm. either because they're matching up well against stuff, or just because the the power of the format uh, it is there. So just kind of giving out some most improved awards from from this first week, and I think History of Benalia is just the clear winner here. Okay, the the ability to put those two threats onto the board is huge because you know people are running a lot of the efficient one for one removal and just match it matches up well against that it's great with uh convoke you know we've got two h- high powered playable convoke cards yeah. in venerated loxodon and conclave tribunal and yeah. and being two guys for that is really powerful especially because you can convoke post combat and because th- the tokens have vigilance additionally we just have more playable knights now in these like Green white or Abzan lists, you can just run like four Knight of Autumns. Yeah. And that card is a knight, and that the the pump effect from History of Benalia just is is quite good. Very helpful for it. Also I I've been pretty impressed with Knight of Autumn in standard okay. as a side note. Yeah, uh, yeah. Its ability to trade with History of Benalia one for one is kinda cool. Yeah, uh, its ability to like I've killed a lot of conclave tribunals with it and that just feels Really oh insane. god, so, so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I've gained four life a few times, but a lot of times it's just I'm casting it on turn three as a three three toughness blocker that really sure. makes their, the, the red guys kind of awkward. Hmm. Um, so, I, like, I'm in for four Night of Autumns in my main deck, depending. Yeah. Um, so my other most improved card is definitely Tempest Gin. You know, pretty much unplayable in old standard. You know, we, oh, saw, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we saw Ken running it, but we also saw a lot of people trying it and, like, not not getting where they wanted to be with it. But Um, yeah, right now in this format, it just lines up so well against everything. Yeah, when my opponent casts it and has a blue mana up, I'm just thinking, like... I'm screwed. (laughs) I think the the game's over. (laughs) I I have to aim my fight with fire at it. They're going to counter it for one mana, Mm -hmm. and and, then it's just going to deal five and then six, and I'm going to die. Yeah. Yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah. But standard is looking cool right now. Um, I've been having a ton of fun with it so far. Good. Yeah. Cool. It's uh, it's been really fun to to play and test and everything. So yeah, should be awesome. Should I'm very excited to play through this league with you. That sounds, <laughs> sounds very good. Um, and I I wish that I was getting to play this weekend, but I will definitely be watching coverage at least on Saturday. Hopefully, see you guys take another top eight. Let's do it. Yeah. Cool. SCG Columbus. Good luck. Boom yeah i think that's it for me yep i think that's a good point to wrap it up cool all right so thanks to everybody so much for listening really appreciate it if you want to lend us some support you can head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast or go straight to our site mtggrindcast.com where we've got links to the patreon we've got some rewards mostly the discord we got some tokens coming very soon super cute i will post a video of the foil tokens once we have them excellent and, excellent yeah And also on our website, you can find links to Collins' coaching services if you're interested in some one-on-one time. And, yeah, find us on Twitter. I'm tweeting from at MTG underscore Grindcast. Collins is also there. Uh, At Collins Mullen. And thanks again for listening. Have a great week. Peace.